Alex here. As this is the final episode of More Than A Beautiful Game, I thought I'd take the opportunity at the start of the podcast to thank some of the people that helped me make it uh, in a place where everyone will hear. Thanks to Isaac for doing the audio processing for the first three podcasts and making them sound super professional. Thanks to John and Saul for helping me learn how to edit the final two when life got in the way for Isaac. Thanks to the two Alexes and Matt for letting me know if I'd made any glaring errors in my editing before I sent the episodes off to Isaac to get spruced up. Thanks to Roy McLean for letting me use his music. Uh, If you like it, you can find it on Spotify. I will leave a link to that and his Instagram in the podcast description. And finally, thanks to the guests for coming on and being patient with me as I slowly but surely churn these out. This is going to be the last episode of More Than A Beautiful Game, definitely for quite a while, possibly forever, as I'm going into my final year of uni now and my attention turns to that. Uh, I could definitely be tempted to do more of these once uni is over, uh, especially as I'd like to bring on more people who aren't men to talk to. That's definitely a large group of the people who work behind the scenes in football, and the fact that I've managed to do five podcasts without speaking to one of them does irk me a little bit, so I definitely want to fix that at some point in the future. On that note, if you or anyone you know works behind the scenes in football and wants to share your story, let me know. I'd love to speak to you, love to bring you on at some point very, very soon. Well, not very soon at all, in at least a year. Anyway, uh, thanks very much for listening. If you have any feedback for the podcast, let me know. I'd love to hear it. Uh, And I will leave you in the very capable hands of me about three months ago and Chris Peck. Hello, I'm Alex Towles and you're listening to More Than A Beautiful Game, a podcast about how you can get into the world of football without being really good at kicking one. This episode is the second one focusing on the business side of running a football club, and it's the second one where we've got a guest from York City too. This time it's commercial manager Chris Peck. Hi Chris, how you doing? Hi Alex, I'm very well, thank you yourself. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. So let's, uh, well, I'll ask the generic question first. Uh, commercial manager, what does that do? <laughs> So the commercial manager role, I'm sure it varies from club to club, but certainly at York City, to put it short, it does sort of cover all the income generation side of the club and and the business itself. So anything you think that a club can can make and sort of retain income comes through sort of the commercial side. So everything from the retail side of the club shop through to sponsorship, through to uh, hospitality and on a match day, through to ticketing. So a lot of it all does come under un- under the commercial role. And um, yeah, that's sort of my, my responsibilities in a nutshell. All right, fair enough. And how long have you been working at York? Yeah, so I've been just over two years now. Uh, mm-hmm. I joined April the 1st, uh, two years ago. And uh, yeah, and I joined from a solicitors, so a York-based solicitors. Uh, the role was sort of put uh, put live. But yeah, two years ago is when I joined, and yeah, I haven't looked back really. It's been a really fun two years, a really uh, strange and exciting one as well. Mm. So, did you get much of a flavour for what life was like pre-pandemic at York? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't. I probably had about ten months sort of pre-pandemic, um, and. I've been there sort of two years and still haven't seen a full season. I know our manager, Steve Watson, he's been there two and a bit years now and he hasn't seen, he hasn't seen a full season yet. So I think it's a bit soon to judge him. He gets a lot of sort of judges from the, the social media and the fans online. Mm. Um, I think it's far too quick to judge someone having not had a season. Um, but yeah, it's been, um, 
I had a really good sort. I came in April, so I had about three games of the season left for me to sort of really muck in and sort of see how it runs. And there was a sort of the summer to prepare for the new season. Um, and then, sort of halfway through that season, sort of February March time, it came that uh, the pandemic was on the horizon, um, and sort of it all went to pot. Really, uh, the season and how it's gone. I know you discussed that with Dan. Um, but yeah, but I had a good sort of good overview of it, sort of pre-pandemic and also in the pandemic as well. It's been uh, mm. a tough, a tough year. So, how did your role change uh, when the pandemic hit because obviously you're not exactly going to be standing in the club shop selling kits to fans during the pandemic are you no no so it is it all came out very very quickly uh, there's sort of um there's all sorts in the news like uh it's obviously there's there's this, this virus and sort of they're talking about the herd immunity side of things and how how things have changed uh but then it very quickly sort of hit the football world where it was sort of right we're not having any matches we can't have fans in stadiums and it's very much like a what what the hell do we do? Um and so and it's very quickly sort of the club sort of acted and sort of put the staff on furlough. I think obviously as a lower as a lower league club, um sort of using resources and using them wisely, I think the club really put everyone quickly on furlough. But we sort of had did have the resources to sort of react and sort of react to the, the situation where over the course of the year uh, we do have our sort of uh, the income generation side, all of our, um, rather than sort of going into the little shack that's at Booth and Crescent where you can buy sort of t-shirts and merchandise, um, it's all sort of populated online. So a lot of it was quite an easy sort of transfer to get fans, rather than pushing them towards the common joys in the club shop and sort of say hello, it was all sort of pushing them onto online to sort of keep some of the the income generation streams that we had available to us, it kept, it kept them all open. And I think when you sort of um, looking back on that, my, my two years where I joined the club two years ago, we'd never sold tickets online. We'd never sold sort of shirts online as far as I'm aware. And a lot of it has been sort of creating these sort of digital channels and sort of trying to bring York into the 21st century. I think it's just, it's ludicrous in my opinion that you can, uh, you're in sort of 2019 and you've got a club shop that you, you have to come to a little shack to buy it. You've got to come to tickets. You've got to come on a match day. You've got to pay with cash. It's just not, um, it's not really keeping up to the times, I don't think. Uh, but luckily we sort of all changed with the new stadium and, and everything that's sorted in the past two years so you mentioned the new stadium there and obviously dan talked at length about the social media side of managing the image of york's move yep. from booth and crescent into the lner community stadium as i'm sure you'll be glad i'm calling it uh what was your role in the stadium move yeah, so the stadium role, I think Dan mentioned it got a, a bit of length. It's, sort of, it's been going on for sort of 15, 17 years. It's been a huge sort of mammoth task to get it sorted. And I think um, what sort of remains to me is the stadium management director sort of says, was is the stadium, when they started the project, he said, is this stadium a stadium for, for York City or is it a stadium for the city of York? I think the council went away for a couple of years and had to think about it and how they wanted the stadium, how what the landscape of it would be. And um, they came back and sort of said, oh, we want it for the city of York. And that's why it's the behemoth it is now with um, with the retail aspects to it. There's the leisure aspects with the Hollywood Bowl and the uh, and the cinema and the, the I think it'd be Laser Quest in there and all sorts of different things. And just the, the, the it's actually massive thing, which is great for the city of York. But sort of my role sort of leading up to it has, when I joined, well, I joined two years ago, as I mentioned, and I was in the job description, it says, oh, in two months, we'll be at the new stadium. We're playing games there. And two years on, we're still based at Booth and Crescent. We're still sort of waiting to get into the new stadium, although we played our first game there. It's sort of, it is still like, it's not been an easy ride over the past couple of years. But the my role sort of has been, with the new stadium, has been getting pretty much everything sorted. So trying to get um, the ticketing side sorted, which is due to be released sort of in the next couple of months. It's been getting the hospitality aspect sorted. So it's looking at what the options are, how much they cost, um, how we can give fans a really good match day experience. 
and then it sort of moves into uh, sort of the, the commercial side. So or using our commercial inventory, as I call it, to then sort of um, to to show brands, to show to show so companies both regionally both nationally both internationally why york is a great prospect to sort of sponsor with us and to partner with us and how we can get their brand to a lots of lot to the york city fans and to do it in a really fan orientated way i do think with the new stadium and sort of the appeal it has um there's much more sort of with a, with a fan zone with much more sort of um and we sort of we can attract more fans as well. And I think it's much better to bring kids along. They've been to Booth and Crescent, but the, the toilets are rank. It's disgusting. I obviously wouldn't bring my family there if I had the choice to. Um, but it's a much more family-oriented setting. And when you can have sort of a fan zone for the older ones, and then you can have sort of potentially a stand just for the sort of families and for kids to come along and do face painting, as people say, um, it's a much better sort of prospect for, for brands to get involved with us and for people to, to work with us. Would you say that is the most different thing then between... A booth and crescent and the new stadium is uh i don't want to use the word sanitized but more sanitized <laughs> it is it's essentially sort of a bit of a gentrification of um of booth and crescent and i'm sure you had lots of gentlemen going through through the gates of booth and crescent over sort of the last 80 90 years um but it very much is you, you it's hitting on the head sort of sanitized it is I think because it's been a process of 15, 17 years, no investment has really gone into Booth and Crescent because they're always mindful that they're going to leave the stadium. So it has sort of sadly become a bit, a bit of, bit of the pits really, where no investment has gone into sort of keeping, keeping leaks from coming in. In the hospitality at the new, uh, Booth and Crescent, there's, there's a massive leak in the ceiling and the floor is really, actually really unsafe. So you can't really sort of go into the hospitality areas of Booth and Crescent. But, and so comparing the hospitality of, for 40 people at Booth and Crescent compared to 400 at the new stadium, it's a much better prospect sort of income generation as well where we'd usually fill out uh hospitality on a match day but hopefully at the new stadium there's this prospect we, we can sell 360 more spaces and we can really sort of get more income as well as sort of use that the spaces at the new stadium to actually hold events and to and to engage fans because um there's no real meeting space at Booth and Crescent either. We we get we always get people saying, "Oh, we'd like to come to vaccinate people. We'd like to come and we'd like to come and book your rooms out." And we're like, we actually have no room for you to do this because it's all such an old stadium and it's sort of sort of is huge limitations to it. About the new stadium, it's much better for the community and the city and people who want to work with us to then to do stuff with the stadium. Yeah, Bootham is a uh, hallowed ground as it is. It is literally just football pitch with seats and not much else, is it? <laughs> It is that as well, yeah, it is. Mm. Uh, so, how much does the team's performance on the pitch affect the commercial side of things? I, uh, I, I'd, I'd like to use a get-out and say that it's, it's really important. A lot of what you're selling to, to companies is the fact that there's a really engaged fan base and that you should come and sponsor York City because... 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 potentially people are going to see your your brand. They're going to engage with it and they're going to understand it. And then that'll hopefully prompt them to sort of say, oh, they're really engaged in the community or prompt them to go, oh, actually, I really want to buy that product. Um, so, and, and the attendances really sort of factor in. So the first thing that when I was, when I approached a potential sponsor is say, look, we have 2,700 fans on average. We're getting up to 5,400 fans on occasion. Um, this is why you should, you should work with us. And as well as that, it's, it's the eyeballs, not only at the game, but we have lots of fans that are, that are, are spread around the country. They're spread abroad. It's sort of, um, selling basically the eyeballs that are on our online shop, the eyeballs that are on our website and really saying like, we're, a, we're a very popular club. And especially for, for the level that we're in in National League North and to sort of show that 
this is this is why you should sponsor us. And naturally, when the team is doing well, the attendances are going up, and there's lots of um, there's lots of interest in the club. I think we went on a phenomenal run when I first joined the club of 22 games unbeaten. I think that spread from sort of the, the last game of preseason against Bolton through to sort of 17 games into the season. We I think we were it was us and Liverpool were the last two teams that are unbeaten in in the season. Something crazy like that. And there was such a good atmosphere where I'd be like going into towns on into meeting and to event, events in, in York and they'd be going, Oh, York City's doing amazingly. And the person like doing the speaking on stage would be going, Oh, aren't York City doing really well? And it's such a buzz around the city and a buzz around what, what you're doing. But naturally, um, when the team aren't doing so well, so I think there's a period of last year where we had sort of, we're doing, we've done so well and to sort of have a few negative results was obviously um, a bit of an impact. And the fans sort of, they, they expressed their displeasure on, on social media and actually, when you do sort of look for sponsors and, you, and they, the first thing they do, if I was going to sponsor a football team, the first thing I do is look at, look at what they're doing online and how I can, how I can sort of assimilate into it. And you look at um, our, our social media, if we have a loss and you get fans slagging the club off and having, and they, they're doing all sorts of, they're complaining. Would, would a company want to sort of liaise with that and sort of be, be fitted among those, um, among those, um, that negativity? It's, it's a question. Um, so, but it definitely does help when results are good and, good and there's a good sort of sentiment around the club and when fans are sort of engaging well. Hmm. And you mentioned it there, like you mentioned sponsorship. So that's clearly a big part of what you do. So, what is the process behind getting a new sponsor involved with York City? So there's there's two things really. So you can you can look at um, we get a lot of we do a lot of sort of um, myself and Dan we do we do a lot of sort of thing to to we get ourselves out there as much as we can. So we literally explore every avenue to make the club accessible. So we um and we do get I'd say about probably about ninety percent of all or sort of the deals we've done in the last years have been people coming to us. And it's been quite exciting because there's so much going on. And if you get out there and you sort of you engage with people, naturally you find people who are interested in sort of sponsoring the club or doing some work with us. Uh, and on the, on the flip side, there's businesses that you'd love to work with. I think one of those is a great example is Brew York in town. I don't know if you've been. It's a mm-hmm. lovely sort of beer hall and they've got, um, in the, I can't wait to go get, go at the weekend. And just that they're so good in the city and they sort of hit the demographic that York's looking for. We want to sort of approach the younger demographic because like, over the past sort of seven years, you've had some pretty poor results as a club. So to sort of entice the younger generation of fan in and get people sort of really, um, sort of looking forward to, to a match day and, and that ages, we sort of, um, thought a partnership with them would be absolutely ideal so approach them go had a good chat with them and sort of you sort of try and make them understand the best thing is you've got a football game at the weekend so you can say oh why don't you come along to a game i'll show you what it's like you can come and sort of see the facilities you've got you can see what's going on and actually you can sort of if you if you're good at selling or you're just good good at showing people around and sort of showing not telling people and showing them what you have to offer it can be it can be really quite easy to sort of get people to put their hand in the pocket or people to have a bit of a partnership with you to then sort of benefit their brand and yours Hmm. Uh, and something like a little catchphrase you mentioned there is showing not telling people can you expand a little bit on what you mean by that so the new stadium is, is phenomenal and I can I could I could send you some pictures of it but it's nothing compared to actually going there and to actually experience the ma- a match day rather than sort of just telling someone about it is just a complete different kettle of fish so when so now when we're sort of getting ready for the new stadium we're looking at people to have boards to sort of sponsor the stands to sponsor a big 40 meter sign on the board I can tell people about it I can say get on the phone and say yeah it's awesome but there's nothing quite like going going and, and seeing it and sort of just and sort of letting your passion and letting sort of of your letting your passion and, and the stadium itself come across 
because it does sell itself, the stadium. It's a phenomenal, it's a state-of-the-art facility that is great for National League North and hopefully York will be going up soon. Um, but just the fact that the prospect of showing someone, also giving them that little bit of excitement so they can go they can go see their friends at, at, at the weekend and go, oh, I've just been to York City's new stadium. It's amazing. And sort of just getting them in, 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 in the ground to experience it really does go a long way to sort of sell the thing at the end of the day. Coming into the job, what is one thing that you've had to do that's been your responsibility that you weren't expecting? So when, when I joined when I joined the club, um, there was a lot of sort of negative sentiment around. So there's a there's a whole history behind um, sort of how how the fans have um, how the fans sort of what their idea of the club is. I think that they've obviously had a really frustrating couple of years where the club hasn't performed as it should have done. York, to me, is a, is a proper is a league team. It should be in League 2, League 1. And sort of, if it had a really successful time, it could really be a, a club that could... Or with the city behind it, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal city that could really sort of it should really be sort of a League One, a League One team, and looking to progress. Um, and that's what that's where it should be. And so the fans have been frustrated, obviously, being in the National League North, and they have they have their um, their their frustrations and their concerns. And sort of coming into this club, I didn't really appreciate how how big those frustrations were. When they they aim it at the at, at the club, at its staff, at its players, at its fans, and a, it's really so. Um, part of that coming in was if I am le- dealing with the sponsor or someone, and they see that animosity. It's just it's, it doesn't help me sell it at all. It doesn't help. It doesn't help me sell. It doesn't help market the club. So a lot of it was having to sort of really sort of become a bit of a a figure to engage with the fans. Um, there was no. There was only really the mouthpiece of our of our social media, which always which is obviously very uh, it's very quite impersonal. It's just the club crest, and it's someone behind it tweeting from it. Now it's Dan, um, but it's just quite an impersonal place. And I think sort of the club having quite internal is, is sort of inward looking. It doesn't really sort of look 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 to the city and look for the community for for support when when I joined. So a lot of it was sort of really sort of trying to get the club out there and trying to get it to. And um, important, it was important for me to sort of engage with the fans and sort of really understand their sentiment, what they think about the club. Because as you're doing things, you can support them. So you can sort of see, like I mentioned with the, the Brew York Lounge that we had, a lot. It wasn't just oh, Brew York, let's get a lounge together. It was doing that sort of research online to sort of see what the fans enjoyed, what they did in the match day, how how they would have how they would have approached it, and as well as sort of getting great market research, you've got that. You've then got that sort of uh, outlet to to engage with the fans. And I'd sort of just do the odd competition, just to say, just to show I was a human being, just to sort of say like, oh, how many boards do you think we've got around the sand, and the winner can get a mug, and just something silly like that. It sort of prompts people that reminding people we've got mugs in the club shop, please buy a <laughs> mug, and then it sort of advertise. Um, advising you about boards and sort of saying if they've got friends, family, they say, oh, I'll get a board at York City or something. But at the end of the day, it's just sort of, it's another avenue to promote the club and to engage with its fans and sort of show that there's people at the club. It's not just a nameless, faceless club. There's people that really care and want this club to succeed. And so that's, that's, that's probably the uh, one thing I, di- I didn't expect to have to do, but it's something that I honestly really enjoy and and sort of privately sort of selfishly it does really help promote my personal brand so <laughs> if i'm if i'm the nice guy on social media if i'm the marketing genius that people have called me recently um then i i love it and selfishly it's, it's great for me and i even sort of um took taken it from twitter and, like, and took it onto tiktok where they're really sort of keen to um, you can get such a, a hugely different sort of brand and do different experience um and sort of i've taken it to that to sort of see um if if we can, I'd love to be the first person to sell advertising boards on TikTok, and just um, <laughs> so really and really see how uh, how we can grow and what we can do. Yeah, you've you've mentioned it there, so clearly you want to talk about it. What's it been like <laughs> taking taking York City's brand onto TikTok? 
It's been it's been really fun. I think um, during the lockdown when TikTok was sort of really growing and I was on furlough, I, was, I sort of stood on my stairs and I was trying to throw a ping pong ball into a shot glass. Um, <laughs> and that was, that was and then I spent about three or four hours trying to do it. I couldn't do it. So I, I gave up very rapidly. But then when you sort of explore the system and you, and you explore what it can do, it's just so much exposure there. And I think we've seen some really small clubs and some really sort of and individuals get some really a really massive following. And so to help support the club and also get some eyeballs on it to sort of with a move to the new stadium, there's a really interesting story there. Um, if any way we could do that, so Dan's sort of done it from the club account. I've tried to sort of go behind the scenes on the, on the commercial side. So I've been advising people um, how a kit deal works. I've been sort of saying how um, how much boards cost, what's involved. I've sort of said how much hospitality costs at sort of York City's level. I've really gone into what, what I do and what, what I, I, I like about the club. So people have then sort of make an informed decision. They can sort of say, oh, this person really cares and they can engage. And, um, and again, selfishly, it does sort of promote my personal brand at the same time. Um, but it has sort of done really well. I've got some leads from it. That people have seen the videos. They've sent me a thing on LinkedIn saying, oh, I saw your TikTok. It looks really good. Here's some ideas. Let's have a chat about sponsorship and partnership. I wouldn't say I've actually got one sale from it yet, but I've definitely had like a few conversations that haven't quite got got there yet. But I'm hoping to sort of get, um, there's definitely one uh, that have come through there that I'm trying to get over the line. <laughs> and you talked a lot about how you really wanted to improve York City's relationship with the city, almost going out and talking to people and getting the club more integrated within the community. How have you gone about making that happen? Yeah, uh, uh, the main thing has been sort of engaging with stakeholders in the in the city and sort of understanding what the city is and how it runs. So we have an amazing sort of tourist information centre in York. Um, they both do things for tourists coming to the city. Like obviously we can help push tickets through there to get ticket sales and more people coming on a match day or on, at the weekend. Oh, let's go see a York City match, for example. And that tourist branch also sort of um, branches out and just sort of the business side. And they really do help sort of connect the club with other individuals. So we've sort of, we've got sort of sponsors and partners through there where we sort of met them at networking and through events and uh, there's such a great sort of feel good um there's always there's always avenues to sort of approach to in the city to there's always events going on there's always a, a really vibrant business community to engage with to really sort of grow and just sort of be quite personal and sort of really speak to people, get the share your passion for the job and to share share that what the club is working on. Because even just having one conversation can spark something 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 huge and to really get a partnership going. Other things in the city I mentioned the stakeholders is just really sort of it's not just the, the sort of the obviously the council the council are really good they're sort of really keen to direct people and to sort of stimulate ec- economic growth in the city. And one of the main things about us. Um, I was chatting to someone today, actually, and they sort of said how when you think of the sense of place that is York, when a lot of people, especially sort of potentially uh, football, football sort of um, orientated people who like who like football and who like um, and have it as, as an interest. Whenever you sort of think of a city, you think, oh, what league are they in again? And to sort of have have York as like in the National ignore and let, I think it's like six million tourists a year come to York. And it's a bit and it's such a shame that we're in sort of National ignore because everyone goes, oh, York. Oh yeah, they're in the sixth tier. But if sort of York was, was doing was doing really well, it'd be, it'd be like a great indication because a football club is pretty much indicative of of a city, and it's a really huge part of the community. And so to sort of just be that voice in the community and sort of going to going to places and going to things and sort of sharing what the club's doing, how we're doing in the league, and sort of really sort of sparking conversations and opportunities there is really great. Um, and then on the flip side, there's more. There's so much more there with when you look at sort of the universities. So we have some great relationships with both sort of York St. John and, and the University of York. And then there's so many other sort of um, 
sort of opportunities in the city and stakeholders, such as the the York Business Improvement District, York Bid, um, that we're sort of trying to engage with. And there's there's just a phenomenal sort of um, business community that you can go out there and you can attack and sort of um, really sort of get to know and sort of generate opportunities. Hmm. And you mentioned briefly there the universities, and this is a this is a student led podcast, so clearly I'm going to latch onto that. What opportunities are there for students to get involved with York City? Yeah, there's a lot. So um, first of all, there's sixty thousand students, or something something silly like sixty thousand students in York, I think. And and when you sort of translate that into who's coming, how we engage with them. I saw, I saw a, I looked through our ticketing sort of, uh, we have a spreadsheet actually. We have a spreadsheet where we keep our season ticket holders details on at the moment. I mentioned we're quite, we haven't quite got to 21st century yet in New York. Um, but there's actually only eight students as, as our, our last, um, our last check of season ticket holders. There were eight students that were season ticket holders that sort of were, showed they showed their student card and got a student discount for season ticket. That's such, a small percentage of, of the of the of the of the of the the population, the student population in York, and it's a, a real frustration to think. As I was a student, um, I went to Not- Nottingham Trent, and they had um, and Nottingham Forest all over there. They were at the freshest fairs. They were giving out tickets for two quid, and there was such like a real good sort of feel good thing where. When I think about Nottingham Forest, oh, it's a good good days out there. And then we've had some really awesome stories since I've been there, where people have come back from hospitality and they buy hospitality at the club, saying, "Oh, I went to I went to college, went to university here, had a great time visiting the club when I was younger." And it's such a shame. There's only eight people now uh, who come to our game, so you might say that in the future. And it's such a shame, but there is that opportunity to engage with them first of all to get to get bums on seats, to get to get them um, at the ground and talking about us, and sort of getting that demographic that we desperately need at the club into into the into the ground to sort of share, be the future sort of supporters of the club. But at the same time, it's sort of engaging with the universities. Universities have some great spending power in the city. So, and some of the some some great people. There's, there's um, I've met the marketing lecturers at York St John, um, who have sort of um, and they sort of given their student opportunities so i've given them tours around the stadium to sort of talk about how it relates to their marketing module they have a sports business section as well there's some great contacts at the university of york is alex gillett an expert on football and to have him along to sort of just discuss what we're doing and how we can engage sort of the different segmentations of fans and really look at the theory side and the practical side there's so many lessons that can be learned and they're and the universities are such big powerhouses they're doing events after events they've got massive spending power they've got students that are desperate for experience we can engage with those students for opportunities to sort of come and do work experience, to come and uh, and we have some great sort of on the physiotherapy side and the actual sporting side. We do have a lot of students that come with us and sort of um, we sort of give paid placements to come and um, sort of do physiotherapy with with the team and give them opportunities. And some of them have actually been employed afterwards, which is great, great for us to sort of engage with with the students. But we need to sort of get the marketing sort of strategy right to make sure that more than eight people are coming to games in the future. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and you mentioned there that you went to Nottingham Trent University. So let's move on to the uh, the second part of the main bulk of the podcast, which is how you got to where you are. So yeah, t- tell us the story of how you ended up at York City. Uh, so um, I'm an army brat myself. So I, I grew up in Germany, following my dad around as he sort of uh, in the army, and um, I went to, went to boarding school. And uh, my best subject of school was German. So actually, as I left school, I went to do German at university. I saw Sprecher Fries and Deutsch, and I really enjoyed um, German. 
as, as, as a kid. I went to sort of university. I did a year abroad at university in Germany, teaching at a primary school. I really didn't have an idea of what my career path would be. I really didn't have a Scooby-Doo. And so after university, I sort of had the idea of going traveling around all the 16 Bundesländer in Germany and sort of having, having a really good sort of experience about the cultural and sort of the, the benefits of Germany while well, I didn't have a job lined up or anything. Uh, while I was in Hamburg, I decided not to leave because it's just the most amazing place. And I fell into a sort of a marketing uh, internship where they needed an English speaker to do sort of their online marketing. And I sort of fell into that. And literally that's where sort of, um, and it was just so interesting how I sort of learned sort of firsthand how the psychology of marketing can really sort of spark an interest and spark an action for a consumer to then go and purchase a product or a service or, or, or the like. So I had a great sort of year uh, in Hamburg. I actually moved back to the UK for a girl. Um, I'm still together, thankfully. Um, and um, it really sort of fell into, I started doing marketing in the in the UK. So I worked for a care company. And then my partner who had gone to, to York St. John, we decided to move to York. It's such a beautiful city. Where I moved to a solicitor's. And uh, and at the solicitor's firm, I sort of started off in the marketing and sort of, um, and really sort of grew into sort of the business and the commercial side, how we can um, generate income, how we can sort of, through our partnerships, how we can um, get new clients. And that sort of got me into sort of having sort of good relationships with the city. And then I sort of got um, offered or someone uh, sent me the job at York City and I decided to sort of uh, apply for it. Luckily, uh, I I sort of smashed it out of the park at the the interview and and they, they really sort of liked what I had to say and my sort of ideas for the club and how, where the opportunities were in York for us to grow. And yeah, and they, they very kindly sort of gave me the job and it's been a really sort of fantastic two years. Uh, yeah, so, but I think just sort of having that, uh, my education was in German. I don't, I don't have that, um, I don't have that. I wasn't, didn't do a degree in sports. I've never sort of been at a football club before York City. Um, so it was just, um, uh, very sort of serendipity that I sort of fell into, fell into the industry and sort of really enjoyed it. And hopefully I, I sort of think I've made quite a good, a good, a good strive. But I think it's more, um, it's more about the contextual strategy, I think. So when you look at different sectors, you have the sort of the care sector, you have solicitors. As long as you know the strategy behind what you're doing, so the marketing and the commercial aspects, I think it's a benefit that you're in different industries and not focusing on one because you can really sort of bring bits from different industries together to help you to build success and to make, make waves. Mm. Say someone said, my dream job would be to work as the commercial manager for a professional football club. What advice would you give them? So first of all, it doesn't matter where you come from, where, where, you're, where you're born or bred. I think the first thing you need is those fundamental skills. People call them soft skills, but I, I think they're, they're not soft at all. They're really, really important skills that you have. It's the communication. It's the decision making. It's everything that can sort of build you into a, a well-rounded individual that can also help you with the 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 the, 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 the strands of sort of the commercial side so it's the it's the relationship building it's the it's the organization it's the creativity behind it if you've got those fundamental skills and that and you've got that sort of transferable experience coming together it's a no-brainer i think once you get in the room and you're in the, you're in an interview situation and you sat in front of people you just got to let your passion i think that's, that's all it can be is let your passion and let you, you let your drive sort of come across to people and show them why you're the best person for the job so that when you leave there's no one else in their mind it's just it's just yourself that they want to move forward with uh, but i think it's certainly open to any 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 and everyone i definitely recommend it to anyone sort of looking for a, for a role in football it's such an exciting industry to be in hmm. and uh th- this is gonna I, I'm, gonna I'm gonna date the recording of this podcast a bit now because yesterday you announced publicly that you're actually going to be leaving your post at york city relatively soon and moving on to past is new so uh what's the future looking like for chris peck 
Yeah, uh, so I'm actually moving to um, the City Cruises. They're an attraction in York, and they also have uh, boats down in London and across across the across in uh, in America as well. It's a really exciting sort of industry, and luckily York City has given me that been able to sort of give me that step to to, to join a different to join a different industry and a different and a different organisation. Um, I, I did I, I, a, bit, a bit embarrassed me so I did it publicly I feel like I'm like Raheem Sterling announcing his next transfer <laughs> move or sort of where, where, where I'm going and what I'm doing um, but it's just mainly just to, to inform everyone everyone that's connected to the club that I really appreciate all this all the support and that I'm available if they do need anything from me over the next three weeks um, but yeah so my, my my sort of ambition is to one day sort of be like a C-suite sort of looking at sort of directorship of like quite a big sort of a big organization a big brand and to really sort of drive the the marketing side the tangible side of the, of the business tying in together all the marketing the organizational or the commercial side of a business and sort of really helping it to drive growth and I think what I've taken from the football club is that how important sort of customers are and the fans are so as I mentioned it's all about sort of how happy your fans are obviously really impacts on, on a lot of things. And, and at the end of the day, fans are customers. They're the customer of, of York City Football Club. And it's just so important that they're, they're well looked after, that there's a very sort of seamless customer journey. So that when fans sort of, as I mentioned, sort of, we didn't have any ticket, you can buy a ticket online. That's really poor, sort of a poor customer journey for a fan to come along and watch York City for the first time. If they have to, if they have to rock up to Moodle and have to pay cash for, for a ticket and they're not really in, well informed on where to go and what to do. So I think it's just really understanding sort of the customer journey and, and making sure you're um, a really sort of engaging, really sort of creative organisation. And that's just one that I'd really be proud and sort of proud to work for and one that I'd be able to sort of um, have my passion sort of come across and um, and sort of be able to, be- to benefit in the future. Thanks very much, Chris, for coming onto the podcast. If people are more interested in what you do in the future, have you got any social media they can follow? Yeah, so I'm on uh, LinkedIn. Um, this is Christopher Pegg. I'm on uh, Twitter. It's Chris underscore, I think, no, Chris P underscore YCFC. But that'll change it in my new role. As I mentioned, I sort of like to have my personal brand there and I'll probably change it to some sort of boat related uh, thing in, in the future. And then also I'm on TikTok and I'm under personal guys on, on Peglar. But there's all sorts of information about what it is behind the scenes of a commercial manager at a football club. Sort of go into a lot more detail about sort of, as I mentioned, kit deals, what it's like to sort of how to, to approach sponsorship and how, um, how sort of my role came about and how to get a job in football. I've sort of done two videos on that as well. And how do you spell Peglar? P-E-G-G-L-A-R-R. Wonderful. And if for some reason you're interested in the stuff I do, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Towles. Thanks very much for listening to this, the final episode of More Than A Beautiful Game. You can find the four other episodes on uri.org.uk or on Spotify. Our intro and outro music is provided by Rory McLean. And if you love it as much as I do, you can find more just like it on Spotify as well. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you to Isaac, John and Saul with your help putting together this podcast. And if you want more, let me know. Bye.